0: You guys know how supporting local business is in our blood. We're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company, and it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And guess what? snow is coming we've already had a taste of it and you'll need a denver rubber company when it comes to anything snow plows DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snowplow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all and you can purchase products for yourself and of course buy bulk at a fantastic rate they're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people just like us here at dnvr be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs custom gaskets hoses and so on you can call at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them online at drcfirst.com dnvr and tell them who sent you and Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole a left by Cole this time tipped in front by Mika Rantanen he shoots and scars Nathan McKinnon Cole J.T. Comfort 877 goes now Gabriel Landeskog collective hugs 29 and 92 me by Grubauer! move over Picasso This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or check out online and head to your local TGS Express checkout for pickup. Plus, you can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Haefley. The Avs have three days off here, so another bit of a break for them to hopefully recover a little bit. And we figured it was a good time to take a look at some of the underlying metrics of this team that has gotten off to such a hot start. A comment a couple of shows ago from Shamrock, Shamrock Power 76 talked about the Avs having the highest PDO in the NHL at 106. PDO, for the record, is just shooting percentage plus save percentage. It is generally considered a stat that loosely represents luck. It trends towards an even 100. Higher means you're on the luckier side. Lower means you're on the unlucky side. And as I mentioned, the abs have the highest one in the league. So they have been quite lucky. And I do think that shines through, particularly on that shooting percentage side. We've talked a little bit about the Berkowski shooting 23% and things like that. You do expect that shooting to come down a little bit, you would think. You expect it will come down at some point. You know, right now
1: it's it's at basically 13.5% uh, at all situations, which normally I don't use all situations numbers, but given that shooting happens at all situations, that's where I'm going to look. Uh, last year, Tampa Bay had one of the greatest regular seasons of all time, and they shot a little over 12%. The next closest to them was at 1099 so the avs and a bunch of other teams cuz right now there are 10 teams shooting over 10% a, a bunch of teams are going to be working their way down this list as the year goes on uh the avs pdo right now it it's definitely high uh at 1059 but it's not it's not like oh my god like it you know it will come down and it will normalize at some point but really good teams always have high PDOs. And if the Avs, you know, we're we're not going to worry about the Miko Rantanen thing in this discussion. But the Avs should continue to be one of the, the higher shooting teams just because they've got, you know, a, a guy like Nathan McKinnon. If Miko Rantanen's healthy, he will obviously contribute to that. Um, it's the early season numbers like you can't look too much into them. And unless something is, like, majorly, majorly out of whack. And right now, like, the Avs are a little high on the shooting percentage, but they also had games, they had back-to-back games over the weekend where they scored 11 goals in two nights. And that really jumped up the these numbers into, like, the, oh, my gosh, unsustainable. They were high before those games, but not, like, crazy high. And eleven and eleven goals in two games will do that. Like it's one of those things. You know, their teams do not score that those kinds of goals uh, on a regular basis. You know, you have a couple per season, but it's not a regular thing. So, right. you know, and then of course last night uh, in in St. Louis they score one goal, so that drops it. But of course they only have eighteen shots on goal, so it doesn't drop it that much.
0: Well. Even, I agree with you. It's it's still early season. You can't read into them that much. 10% of yeah. the season is a decent sample size, but for some of these more complicated statistics, it's still going to take more time to normalize. And and that's the question I want to get into. What is sustainable for guys like a Burakovsky, for guys like a Donskoy? Burakovsky very likely not going to be shooting 23% at the end of this season, but 15% seems perfectly reasonable. Well, and that's a guy that coming
1: into the year we said, "Hey, he has shown the ability to shoot pucks." You know, he's a thirteen percent career shooter, thirteen percent. And now, obviously, that includes this year's current twenty-one percent, but it's only on nineteen shots, so it hasn't had a it hasn't had a major effect. uh, Given that he's, you know, he had four hundred and eighty-five shots on goal before the start of this season um you're you're talking about this has been a high level shooter his entire career and the the big thing was he needs shot generation he needs to average two shots a game three shots a game and that'll get him that'll get him into the 200 shots on goal mark where as long as he continues to shoot like he has in his career he'll be a 20 to 25 goal guy if he gets into the 15 range you could realistically be talking about 25 to 30. And and that's you know 15 is high. 15 is an elite shooter uh in the NHL, but it's not unsustainably high if the guy if that's if that's one of his great skills. We see guys shoot that every year. Especially a guy whose career in his career has averaged you know his his lowest average is 10.8 but then after that it's 12 so this is i mean this is a guy that's been a great shooter his entire career so it's not unreasonable to expect him to be somewhere in the teens you know you want to you expect it to be the low to mid teens but somewhere in the teens and if it ends up being a little bit higher and he has one of those crazy you know career years where he shoots 17 or 18% maybe this is a 30 or 35 goal guy and that would that would require and being out to get to that kind of plateau, I think. Yeah, but just to have the enough opportunity. Ex- exactly. But if he ends up next to Nathan McKinnon or on the top power play unit, 100%, 250
0: shots on goal should be his goal. Um, I can get down with those type of shot metrics. We'll get into that a little bit more in the second segment. But first, I did want to look at the other side of this PDO because... I do believe that the save percentages the abs are posting are currently in their current form. It's sustainable. They're top 10 in the league, but they're posted ninety two four five five at all yeah. strengths. That's good. That's good goaltending, but it's not unbelievable. Right.
1: It's right in line with league leaders from the last couple of years. So were that to continue, they would be one of the, the best goaltending tandems in the league.
0: But they have that potential, right? They haven't really shown anything to say that that's not the case so far.
1: Well, and anything realistically, anything over ninety-one is like as a team at all situations is like elite. It's very, very good goaltending that you have gotten. It that should be means the expectation. A
0: very, very real
1: backup, right? that's i mean that it's it's either you have an amazing starter and you just don't ever play that backup and when you do he's the one that brings you down a little bit or you have a very good tandem i mean there's no way that you build an 82 game season with a 91 save percentage or higher uh without without a very high level of performance taking place and that's on the table for the avalanche right now the both, you know, Grubauer has been hot since March of last year and has just continued on. At some point, you're going to have we're going to have to stop looking at this and saying, well, he's just on one of those hot stretches. You know, it, it, it was all that way for the entirety of March and basically the whole postseason run. It's been like that now for what the first three weeks of the regular season. Yeah, at a certain point, the dude's just good. Exactly, and I mean, this was a guy, remember when Colorado acquired him, had a 926 career save percentage, the highest ever for a goaltender with 100 starts, so this was this was a guy with serious pedigree, and like, Philip Grubauer right now has a 915 save percentage, and that's a little low for a starter, but we all know, having watched the games, he's he's been very good for them. A couple of soft goals, but not getting beat.
0: You know, he's and, never lost the Avs a game, for at sure. least so far. He's kept them in it, and obviously against the Blues the, the offense came up short, but he's never right. given up that really true dagger goal. <clears throat> definitely.
1: And like the third goal last night, you could you could maybe make that argument because once it got to three, you were like, Oh, this is definitely over. But they were already losing the game.
0: You know, it was yeah. it was already two one. Yeah, right. it that's the closest to a dagger goal. He's probably given up and it was a soft one, but you can't put that game on group hour. No, not
1: even a little bit, not even a little bit where we will expect a regression. Obviously, Pavel Franz is not going to continue on at nine fifty one.
0: Of course not. Or if he is, then well, we have to I mean, have a different starter, but.
1: that would be the greatest season in NHL history. Yeah. So, so certainly
0: going to come down at least a, a good chunk.
1: Yeah, and you know if if both guys can settle into the the nine twenty range somewhere in there, they're going to be incredible this year. They're, the abs will be very hard to beat with or without Miko Rantanen.
0: Yeah, straight up, the goaltending just goes so far in this league.
1: It does, and and you know if you only offensively you lose Rantanen, but you only have to score three a night. You, know, you can get
0: away with that on a lot of nights.
1: Right, and and there are going to be some nights where that kind of goaltending, you realistically only have to score two and then hope for an empty netter. Yep, it's very true. So, you know, right now, they're, they're, the 92 the ninety two four five is a, a little bit high, but if this tandem is for real, it shouldn't come down too much. This, this is not like a, like Arizona right now is sitting at 94 and that's just insanity. Yeah, right. That's, that's going to come crashing down at some point that's going to stop. So that's, that's where I think uh, when looking at the analytics and looking at some of the fancy stats and all that, you know, you get into it. That's where they, the avalanche, you know, you, everybody wants to look at PDO first PDO and ten game sample sizes isn't great because a team can do anything across ten games, and you could try and isolate it and say, "Oh, well, that won't continue, or that will, or whatever." So it's not it's not a great you know the abs nine games in right now it's not a great sample size it's just not PDO right. is one of those numbers that a team that that you use with the team over large stretches it's right. not it's not a micro stat that you want to keep track of it's not you know like Like Corsi is a much better number for smaller samples like that.
0: Yeah, this is very much a flipping quarters kind of odds and statistics number where if you just flip five quarters, you might get four heads. But if you flip a million quarters, it's going to normalize. Right. It should be a lot closer to 50. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and end segment one there. Fun fact, PDO actually doesn't stand for anything because hockey analytics people are terrible at naming their statistics. I wish they would get better at it, but they're not. Another fun fact, Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNBR. and they have been the original Colorado beer since 1990. I'm sure you've heard of a number of their beers. I had an agave wheat in the studio today doing the Denver Sports Podcast, which is a fantastic beer to have. At pretty much any time. We were talking in the office actually. It's a really good beer that you could just mix a splash of like orange juice in and have like the beer version of a mimosa or something like that, which sounded kind of delicious to me. So I might have to actually go and try that or if you want that fruity taste, just go with the strawberry sky not orange, obviously, but Still, it can get you to where you need to be. They have a beer for anyone and everyone. You just have to find the right one and pick it. And you can find that beer at your local Davidson's or any other liquor store most likely. So keep an eye out for it. And keep an eye out for the Breckenridge event calendar on thednvr.com. It's been out for a while now. We have most of our events scheduled on there. I know a bunch of Nuggets ones will be coming up with their season about to start. And we'll have some more ads ones down the line. As well. So we'll be drinking Breck beers at those as well and come out and have a good time with us. Second segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. I'm Ruto. He is AJ. We're talking about some advanced statistics here today. And I do want to get into that Corsi conversation. This is just shot attempts, basically. And it's a general guideline for possession. You said it's a good metric for these shorter stints, and I agree with you for the most part. However, I think the abs number is a bit misleading because you have to take score effects into account.
1: Yeah, and like the Tampa game is heavily skewing the numbers right now. Right, exactly. Because the abs were really right about even before the Tampa Bay game. Uh, and then, you know, <laughs> that's that's when everything went haywire for the Avs in terms of those numbers getting badly
0: skewed. Just for a comparison here, the Avs core C4 percentage in close situations, that means when the game was is within one, is 48.17%. At all scores, it is 40 seven point one six. So it's a full percentage point difference that is being made when the games are, are are stretched out.
1: Yeah. And if you, if you go game by game and you look at them, most of the games uh, like the Calgary game, they were a negative seven at five V five, but that was, again, that's a game that they led almost the entire, the entire time.
0: Yeah. Of course. They,
1: they led uh, the wild game. They led the
0: Bruins, Washington, Um, as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, they, the, there are three games that are kind of standing out as like definitely negatives. The last two games, you know, Tampa Bay. And that was, again, a major score effect one. Uh, And then last night, they just got beat down uh, by the, by the Blues. And also only 41 minutes at 5v5. We'll tell you, not a lot of time there. Uh, And then the Arizona game where, again, Arizona just kind of put it to them.
0: And, you know, I'm glad you brought up the 41 minutes at 5v5 because that has been a factor in the majority of these games. The abs have played a lot of games that involve a lot of special teams on both ends, both the power play and the PK.
1: Yeah, they are uh, just even even if you go and you look at, at even strength, they have they've got five games, uh, five of their nine games have spent under 50 minutes at even strength. Yeah. And some of so. these are in like like, like the Minnesota games at 42, Calgary's at 44. Last night was at 42. That's a ton of special teams time. Nearly a
0: full period of special teams time. Right. You're talking, you're talking about, about a
1: third of the game. Yep. And so. that's, you know, that's that's a major... That's a major factor in it, especially when they have spent as much time as they have leading. You know, you would like to see them stretch that out a little bit more, but when you're leading, especially in third periods, you you sit back a little bit more. It is human nature. That is how it goes. There isn't a team out there that does not do this.
0: Yep. Every team does it. There are levels to it. I would say some teams are a bit better at, at keeping up the pace a bit here and there and to be honest with you once games have gotten closer i do think the abs have done a decent job of kicking it back into gear when they needed to oh definitely
1: like if we were to go through every individual game and talk about like the rise and fall the little the little spikes uh on the on the graphs and all that stuff you can you can easily point to okay the abs ended up with a two goal lead here you know, and this is this is how they treated, or the Avs were leading in this situation or whatever. Yeah. The point is, is that very rarely have they gotten just beat up. Right. And the Lightning game, I'm more or less throwing out the window because the Avs, after the first period, uh, you know, they were, what, six minutes into the second period and all of a sudden they were up four to one. Yeah. And then,
0: you know, the Lightning controlled the pace of the rest of the game from right. there. Right. Like you said, the only even the Arizona game I didn't hate. It probably wasn't the pace the ABS were looking for, but they made it work. It's just that Blues game where they got completely smothered.
1: Yeah, and there was a big difference for the record. Uh, if you if you switch between five v five and even strength, there was a big difference in results. Um, of course, in the, in the Arizona, there, yeah. just in the Arizona game specifically, uh, the Avs the ABS were a negative nine in in coursey events at five v five. But at even strength, uh, they were almost even. They were a negative two, right. so, so a big difference there. When you just switch between those two, the abs outplayed them in basically all the non five v five situations. Which, hey, if you're if you're gonna spend a third of the game on uh uh on a uh on on non
0: five v five, you might as well win it, right? Yep, you're, if you're, I mean. We've talked about the Avs' power play struggles, but hey, if you're winning that battle, then take it where you can get it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing is, is just scoring. Yeah, the only the only game this year that the Avs have lost the even strength scoring battle was last night. That's the only game they have tied in the Arizona and the Pittsburgh games, they were they were tied, but otherwise they have won it in every single other game that they have played. They have outscored their opponent at 5v5.
0: And when you count the own goals, then they've really outscored their opponents. <laughs> right. I mean, that's it's really there's a lot of different
1: things that are that are pointing to they're they're a little on the lucky side and we've acknowledged that Several times going through this season that they have been on the lucky side at times, but they aren't like the numbers are not so out of whack where you're like, they're not going to be able to keep this up.
0: And, and luck is something you ride when you shoot and the puck is going in. Guess what? You don't have to shoot as much. You're going to shoot less because you already got the goal. The other thing is, is, man,
1: it's not something to apologize for. It doesn't take anything away. No, absolutely not. Take it where you can get it every single time. right. as, as I've said before, luck only exists as a, as a reference point. You are lucky so that the other guy may know that he is not that's that's all it really is. and if you're if you're going to be on the good on the good side of things more often than not, great, you don't have to apologize for that. That's not an excuse for anything. If you're on the unlucky side, you hate everything. We saw that in the 48 point year. That team
0: was both bad and unlucky historically so yeah in both categories unfortunately for them so this is
1: this is one of those things you know when you start to break down and again nine games in probably premature to do this 20 games in would be a lot better but we were asked about it and i thought hey this is an interesting topic especially because we have three days off how sustainable is this really and the answer is pretty sustainable
0: right and you know even if these numbers are skewed and things end up normalizing over the next 10 games this is still a nice plot point to to mark down and then take a look at once things get to where you roughly expect them to be and see how big of a change that really is
1: right and and we do I do also mention you know that when we're looking at these the abs have two blowout victories that are going to skew numbers but otherwise they've played r- close games and if you take out if you were to take out the outliers, you take out the six three over Washington and the six two over Tampa Bay, you know a lot of these numbers are gonna look a lot a lot better because there won't be score effects. the St Louis game they just got dominated honestly like there's no there's no dancing around that one there's no conversation there
0: they just got beat up. Let's drill into some of the individuals here and and look at the one positive possession line for the abs and that's comfort jost and wilson obviously they haven't been together all that much Mm -hmm. but those are three of the four forwards on the team that have a Corsi percentage above 50 you gotta like what that looks like as far as running that third line out there confidently
1: well and it's it's kind of a strange misfit of a line right
0: like, yeah, it it's just kind of the empty parts that needed somewhere to go in in many ways. Exactly, that's a really good way to put it, actually. But
1: it's it's also a line that we saw, you know, we saw it have major success in the one game, but they have, it it has not been together for very many games, and we saw it have success in the postseason last year. You remember that was the line that was doing a lot of the heavy lifting in games five, six, and seven, because
0: the top line did not score. It really the the place Joe started to put his game together.
1: It, very, I mean, very true. And those guys, those guys together have really started to kick it up a notch. And when you look at their on ice results this year, you know, the, the Corsi is solid, but digging deeper into that, everything else just gets more encouraging scoring chances for Colin Wilson's at 60%
0: high danger chances. Colin Wilson's at 65%. It's up and down it. Like you said, not only that they all have, Goals for percentages on the positive side. Uh, to be fair, most of the Evs do because they score a million goals, but right. is up at 83% goals, 4 percentage. he she's been on the ice for five and only been on the ice for one against. I mean, that's, you're getting into crazy territory. It's no Ian Cole being plus 10, but.
1: <sighs> yeah. Ian, Ian Cole right now, living the, living the high life. And the other, the other part of this is that this is a line that is not starting uh in the offensive zone. Right. They they go. are not getting that cush position of offensive zone starts. You know, Colin Colin Wilson is uh in in the offensive zone face-off percentage, because that's kind of the one that really matters. That's the one that the, the coach can totally control. Colin Wilson's at 32%, Tyson Joseph's at 42%, JT Confers at 42%.
0: And most of those numbers are actually lower at five on five. So, Just is at thirty-seven percent at five on five. So they are not being utilized as a your sheltered third line. They're right? being utilized as go get it.
1: They're they're being utilized in the way that I think what they are doing right now is that they are switching with the Belmar line. As the third line, depending on which one is going that night. Yeah. Play
0: the hot hand type of
1: deal. Because a couple nights ago, we saw the the, the Belmar line was rocking and rolling. So they got on the ice against Florida. And the result was the Jost line minutes went down. And then the next night, they switched because the Jost line was rolling. But it wasn't like neither line is ever going to give you more than 13 or 14 minutes. Comfer as the sole guy that's on both uh, special teams units has the ability to do that individually, but those lines as a whole are not going to give you 13, 14, 15 minutes. That is not what they want to do with those lines. And they are basically interchangeable third lines right now. We talk about the Belmar line as like, oh, that's their really good fourth line. It's been good enough and dangerous enough offensively that they have two third lines. In in practical usage here, we're talking about these guys as two third lines.
0: Not yeah, not I, a fourth it's, line. It's very much a 3A, 3B situation. You do generally see the, the fourth line, if you want to call it that, get some of the harder defensive matchups. Mm-hmm. And but, we will see them later in games. The Joe line yes. won't go out there later in games. To protect the lead type situations. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. All right. Well, we can end the second segment there. We'll jump back into the third segment, probably talk about the defenseman a little bit since we haven't done much of that yet. But first, you know, what's so great about our DNVR family, we now have multiple subscribers. Well, that's true. There's a lot of awesome things. Having a beer at the office is pretty awesome. Not going to lie. But we also have multiple subscribers partnered with us to help promote their business. Chad with Houselift has an incredible service for you. If you or your friends are thinking about selling your house but it's not in tip top condition, go to houselift.com. They'll show you how to maximize your profit. If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all of the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing those costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page. You can find both at houseliftcolorado.com and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from 15 000 to $60,000 more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what HouseLift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of HouseLift's preferred realtors, they'll sell your home without charging a listing commission third and final segment of the DNVR avalanche podcast presented by the green solution with Ruto and AJ. And it just so happens that our names are also our codes for a membership over at the DNVR.com. If you use one of our names while signing up for a membership, it helps us out. We got a competition going on where the winner, the person who gets the most new members gets a year's supply of Breckenridge brewery. I've already told you guys how I love putting it in my mouth. So that would be really cool to win. Uh, actually be able to put some in my mouth a little bit more often. But, you know, if you're not me, go with AJ's code. If you like me, go with code RUDO one way or another. It would really be great to help us out. AJ, anything to add yourself? Yeah,
1: uh support one of us. Like, you know, if you if you guys are digging what we're doing on the pod, we've got all kinds of other content that's behind the paywall. If you haven't taken that plunge, you get a free t-shirt with it. Um the Rocky shirts are are half off, so some some people have been able to cleverly game two, the system.
0: Yeah, you get where, two shirts if you go Rocky shirt.
1: Exactly. Where they can or they can they they get a, a an AB shirt half off and then they get the uh <clears throat> they get the Rocky shirt for even cheaper, and it's just—it's just a great deal. Honestly, um, it's—it's a—it's a great way to support us. And obviously, we're having this contest, and you know, we're all competitive people. We would like to show well in this, so support one of the two of us. Rudo and I don't really look at each other as competitors in this. We're worried more about the Avalanche beat together. Yeah,
0: straight up. It, like, if I won it, I would 100% share the Breck Brew with AJ.
1: Yeah, th- and, and, and if I win it, Rudo's coming over to my place, and we're going to drink that beer together. Straight up. So
0: this okay. is Team Avalanche. Get
1: in on this. Right, and if this Miko injury is serious, we're going to need to drink a lot of that beer. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to need cracking
0: bottles for sure. <laughs> we're going to need to have
1: a lot of it on hand. So <laughs> please, think of us. And well, use use that either promo code AJ or Rudo on an annual, subs- yeah, an annual membership, an annual membership that uh, it can either be one year, three years lifetime. If you want to go ham, all
0: of those count for us. Yep. Would highly appreciate it. And just as AJ said, we we have a bunch of awesome contents and it's not only AV stuff that you get from us. You can also get that stuff from other beats as well. If you're into more than just abs on the, the Denver sports world. But this podcast is about the abs. Mm -hmm. And if you had to pick one person to rub up against, to get lucky, it's gotta be Ian Cole, right? Oh my God. (laughs) First of all, he got superpowers over the summer.
1: Clearly with that healing factor. He healed faster than any human should from double hip surgery, especially at his age. That that man is like three years younger than me, and I'm trying to imagine me having double hip surgery and being like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll be back to a full world-class athlete strength in just a
0: matter of months. So he's basically my age, and right. if I had to have double hip surgery – I would be the biggest baby on the couch for the next, like, two years. Right, like, your your wife would be so sick of you. Yeah, she would hate me by the end of that, so... I,
1: I can only imagine my fiancé would be like, you know, Winnipeg's weather isn't so bad. I'll just stay.
0: <laughs> Take care of yourself. That's right, like, when you good, maybe we could have this conversation again. <laughs> well... Certainly on the ice, it just, he cannot miss right now. We talked about the plus 10. That's 10 goals for, zero goals against. As mm-hmm. yet, 100% save percentage when he is touching the ice. That's yeah. insane. f 5v5, 100%. It's literally
1: 100%. They yeah. have not been scored against with Ian Cole out there at 5v5. For the record, also true of Colin Wilson, also true of Connor Timmins. Fun fact. Yeah. Ian Cole, it's it's also when you start to look at some of the other numbers, like high danger chances, 13-4, 12 against, and somehow none of them have gone in. Right. The, the on-ice, Colorado's on-ice, their, their shooting percentage with Ian Cole on the ice at 5v5 is 27. As a team! 27% with Ian Cole on the ice. What? That is so broken and this, that, this is, is, is a reminder laugh? of fun with numbers early in the year yep. because later as the year goes on you'll be like oh well you know seven points seven percent it is it's a little bit low but it's not too bad like that'll be me in three
0: months but right <laughs> now these numbers are insane that 37 shots with coal on the ice and 10 goals yeah and at the least two like two of those zero yeah. goals. Right. And at least like two of the goals where Cole, like stepped onto the ice for two seconds and the puck went in the net.
1: <laughs> yeah. One of the, especially one of the ones in Florida actually yeah. was entertaining because like he had nothing to do with the play. he literally jumped on the ice, got to like center ice and the F scored and they got, a, he gets a plus for that. Yep. Plus minus is fun. <laughs> And well, and this is one of the this is a golden example of why we don't use plus minus analytically um and we prefer to use goal four percentage, which right now is also equally as useless, yeah because this is wildly skewed, but <laughs> goal four percentage evens out over time a lot a lot better. Cole's expected goals for is two point eight, he yeah. and
0: he's well, been on the ice for ten
1: and and also, good to, to good to note since we're having this conversation, where we've had a nerd cast all, all this it, it entire episode. It has been
0: a very dirty pod, yes. Uh,
1: that expected goals is going through a rough transition period. It is. Uh, there was a there was a glitch. Apparently, I was looking into this and I was going through some some threads the other day. I don't know if you caught this. There was a glitch where up until October fifteenth, uh, zero shots were being recorded inside the crease. And very few even immediately around the crease. And somebody pointed it out. It got fixed. And since then, uh, that, that data has started being recorded more accurately. And it was a big reason why the expected goals uh, stuff had gone way, way down league-wide. And so pretty much all expected goals data between the beginning of the season and October 15th is useless and everything starting from the 16th on, which was six days ago. So so again, very small samples being involved here. Uh, That is when the expected uh, uh, goal numbers have quote-unquote normalized because the the glitch got fixed and the the tracking of that information is back to being more accurate
0: than it was. I mean, conveniently, Cole has played four of his five games in that time frame, so that's nice, but... (laughs) yeah uh since we're having fun with small sample sizes yeah. connor Timmins, absolutely only Beast. two games played absolutely extremely sheltered no doubts about those things <laughs> absolutely gave up some extremely scary high danger chances against yep. but technically the best possession player on the avalanche so far this year take that for data <laughs> a nice 55% Corsi 4 with a whopping 22-4-18 against. It actually even gets better when you do Fenwick, which is just you remove all the block shots because that's a skill for the defense. Yeah. It goes up to 60%.
1: Since we're, since we're already very deep, deep into nerd in, land. In <laughs> the nerd
0: cast, how do you feel about Corsi versus Fenwick? Which one do you prefer? I think it depends on the situation. I do actually tend to lean a little bit more towards Fenwick because it helps with systems like the abs that have loved to run systems that revolve around their defensemen blocking shots. They're going to give up more shot opportunities, but if a lot of those are coming from the point with no real chance of getting through to the net, that needs to be marked in some way. Those are also the least valuable shots
1: since, right, again, exactly. analytically, we're talking about... I was looking at some data a year ago that was showing that your chances of scoring from the point are less than the shot getting blocked
0: and it creating a scoring chance for the opposing team. And this is why I hate the abs power play system. What? Sorry. Nope. Well, we won't go there. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, absolutely, there are... There are still a lot of room for improvement. Yes, they do track things like high, medium, and low danger chances, but the accuracy and consistency of those statistics are still very questionable. Mm -hmm. And that's what I... One of the things I'm really, really looking forward to is the NHL starts to delve into this actual player and puck tracking type of information that they're gathering now alongside MGM Grand and all the, the gambling stuff. Which, P.S.,
1: uh, started in the KHL
0: this year. Yeah. Russia. Breaking ground. Go track every move of Kovalenko out there. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm really excited for more defined and more clearly accessible statistics like this. I know it's extremely nerdy. I know we're nerding out. But if we can simplify this, if we can get more consistent data and it gets a bit more mainstream – Maybe we can put things like plus minus to bed,
1: right? And and I have been encouraged. Uh, TV broadcasts have stopped uh, with pushing that as as hard. I mean, yeah. Of course, when there's a major anomaly, you're like, oh, look at that. And, you know, two years ago, Patrick Nemeth was like plus twenty three and on the season or something crazy. And it was a huge outlier from the rest of the team where you were just like, what is this? And that's why we have some of these numbers. You can go in. You can see, oh, the on-ice save percentage with Patrick Nemeth that year was obscenely high. It was the highest on the team. That's so, you know, that's how that's how these things happen is, you know, these these outliers are created somehow. They don't just fall out of the sky. And it's it's mostly just a random variance thing. It's also why... As, as much as we talk about stats on this pod and as much as we lean on them uh, and and on the site, honestly, it's also why we always say you have to watch the games. Like you have to see what's going. You have to see how the sausage gets made. You can see certain things. And like Connor Timmons, if you just looked at this, just these numbers, you'd be like, wow, Connor Timmons, pretty dope. But we watched it. We saw. It wasn't quite ready yet. And to across two games... You can you can get away with that. But had Connor Timmins gotten another 10 games and he played at the same level, we would see him getting crushed. No matter yeah. how amount, no matter how much sheltering went on. He just didn't play well enough. I mean, even in that time, eighteen minutes of five V five time, Connor Timmins was on the ice for seven high danger chances against and twelve scoring chances against. That's really high for comparison's sake. And that's in two games for comparison's sake. Mark Barbario, a lot of people's favorite whipping boy has been on the ice in his three games, his five, v five ice time, 43 minutes. So more than double what Timmons had in one extra game played. And he's been on the ice for 16 scoring chances against. So, so Timmons was on the ice. I say that. And and five high danger chances against for Barbario, which is a lower number than Connor Timmons had, in more than double the time. Exactly, and so that's you know that's where you look at just the Corsi and you're like, well, Connor Timmons was fine, but the digger, the 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 more that you, the deeper that you dig, the digger, geez, AJ, the deeper that you dig, you can start to see some of that stuff, and that aligned perfectly with the eye test. That and, aligned perfectly with what we saw. He was the chances that he was on the ice to give up were the
0: big ones. Yeah, and we won't go there because we've already gone too nerdy here, but you could start getting into per sixty type of statistics when you really start to dig into that stuff. I will say I still would have liked to see Timmins get more games to see if he could work his level up in the NHL. But if you're taking his two I'm games to right. the sample size and that's it. It would be very hard to justify.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we set our piece on that, and hey, it's it's worked out that uh, you know Ryan Graves has honestly been rock solid. Yeah, he's straight up in the spot, so he's been he's been rock solid, and he's right where you want him in terms of all of those numbers, in terms of scoring chances, high danger chances, all that stuff. He's very much right there. He's a little on the negative side in Corsi, but it's not. You know, when you look at Corsi and you see a guy below 50%, your immediate reaction is like, ooh, that's not great. But it's five chances. And then you look at actual shots on goal, and he's just a negative three. So his 48% may not look that, you know, oh, that doesn't look very good. But it's a negative three.
0: Like, it's not that bad. Right. And this is for a third-pairing guy again. You have to remember as well. 100%. I mean, it's...
1: It's it's always interesting when we dig into these numbers. Again, this is probably earlier than I would have wanted to do it just because, hey, we have these crazy numbers that are sitting here where Ian Cole looks like a demigod. And we know, like we watched the game last night. Ian Cole played terribly. But, it's
0: pretty easy to see
1: sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's that's part of it, you know, is that you can sit there and you're like, well, I'm, I don't need natural stat trick to tell me he played poorly. But it can tell you how poorly he played, or or there are guys where I think, man, that guy has made a lot of mistakes, and then you go and you look at his course that night, you know, and you and you look at the shot attempts with that guy on the ice, and you think and you realize you are like, wow, they were plus eleven with that guy on the ice and in, in shot attempts,
0: and that's crazy. Yeah, I. I think I've about wrapped it all up at this point. Shout out to all the number nerds who have stuck with us in this super number heavy podcast. We appreciate you big time. AJ final thoughts. Uh, Honestly, I'm, I'm
1: ready for Friday. These, the, the, the extended days off drive me crazy. Like one day off is great. The every other day rhythm is perfect for hockey season. This three off two on three
0: off. I'm with you except. One of the following two days this week, we get to have the opposite of this podcast. We're having Drew Kreisman on. We get to get in the crease with Drew yeah, and, and have Drew a cat. very, very not number heavy podcast, I imagine. <laughs> you know, it, knowing Drew, though, it could get It'll that way. it down <laughs> into it.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's going to be like, what's the, uh, what are, what are, what are arena factors? And we'll have to explain to him that hockey stats are very much in their infancy compared to the
0: maniacs over in of baseball. baseball. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, either way, it'll be an adventure with Drew coming up either Wednesday or Thursday. But as always, thank you for listening, and you will hear from us again tomorrow.
1: If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirit's